lost in Rio Island. My name is Alon. Alon Danziger. I heard about man. He's he's a good he's a good man. Right across the studio from me, his name is Jimmy Hoffman. This is an intro, because <laughs> I'm going to change the accent halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get embarrassed with us. trying to go down the rabbit hole and i don't feel like we're coming up with anything good. I, I will go down that rabbit hole with you after all it is our 40th episode so welcome if you are joining us for the first time we're glad you're here with us and if you've been one of our many dedicated listeners or the few dedicated listeners realistically no there's then, then thank you there's for a being hand, here. there's a handful joining us in the studio for our 40th episode is Long-time collaborator, former Lost in Rwanda producer, and still current awesome dude, friend extraordinaire, Doug Johnson. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Alon. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Pleasure to be back in the studes. Yeah. used dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you. Oh, my goodness. It's like, it's a kind of a reunion. I know Melissa uh, Lloyd wanted to come and be here, too, and unfortunately, a work obligation interfered so she will not be able to make it but hopefully by the end of season three before the uh, season wraps she'll be back and you'll get to come back as well so we can do this that, Ca- w- that would be very nice cameo yeah. cameo it has been a while i didn't know that you guys did in accent cold opens now uh we're gonna have to try a little harder with our well, intro <laughs> quality next time <laughs> i mean it'll be one of those things that will go hey do you remember that episode where we did the really awful accents at the start and then that'll be our way we can place it in time well, yeah, sure was, oh, that it, that's a good point I was wondering if it could become a thing where you did a different accent every time, but I don't know how long it would take before you just run out of them completely. No, we got plenty. I've heard a lot of Jimmy accents, so <laughs> there are many, many a different introduction that we some, can come up with. So many voices in yeah. the club are doing. And I just, we'll, we'll, we'll go a little godfather. Go a little godfather. I mean, it, it's okay. If, if we want to make sure that they did. <laughs> You'll be the Marlon Brando, I'll be the Ray Liotta. What, what, or, I don't know. <laughs> where was that? I mean, what movie is that? And where was? How was that Ray Liotta? That's a that's a cross of Goodfellas and, I, and Godfather. I think Godfellas. Godfellas. Yeah, exactly. Truth be told, uh, he's my good father. Hybrid Italian mobster films, basically doing like Carlito. Uh, what, what's Casino, the what? Casino's way? Bro, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Donnie Brasco's way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got to do... Uh, I'm, I was still. I want to make all the mafia movies and then just make them Jewish. I feel like that would be the best way to do it. And just say, like, yeah, you didn't... Meyer Lansky was just the beginning. When I was younger, I had a godfather. Everybody was like, how do you have a godfather? You're Jewish. You're sp- the only people who have godfathers are Italian. I'm like, that's... <laughs> Pretty much not the way it is, I'm sure. So the fairy godmother's like, I'm going to put a hit out. I got it on the Wicked Witch. Make sure you, you, you catch her, you know, with a house. I want to drop a house on her. Wait, so neither of you had godparents at all? Wait, Fairy, fairy I, godparents. I did. You did? It was just like my aunt and uncle. Yeah. In the, in the sense of, like, if my parents died, they'd take care of me or something. Yeah. 
that's I, I think that's what Godfather's for. It's what it is. What they are. I want to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very awesome occasion that Doug is here because he has some music to play for us. Uh, he brought but the good stuff. He brought some mixes. These are all mixes. Doug is a very, very seasoned DJ. He has been a DJ for the entire time I've known him. You've been they're, nothing short of... They're my uh, initials, in fact. They are your initials. <laughs> what so, is the DJ name you go by? Uh, right now, uh, I use J. July. How did you come up with that name? Um... I forget the full definition, but Jejun is like devoid of color or flavor. Like, and uh, so July would be next. That wasn't your <laughs> whatever would be next. That wasn't your original <laughs> DJ name, right? No, I used to use Jive Alive, which is based on the fruit drink. The orange, Five Alive. Five Alive, the orange <laughs> juice, right? Yes. Dude, I like well, that. I think, I like I your, think the, the orange names. is one of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know what the other five are. But, but I, they're, I, they're I always alive. liked their logo and thought it was cool and. Uh, I liked switching it, using the logo for stuff. When you were in college with me, or when I was in college with you, when we were listening to a lot of underground hip-hop, and you had a much more mature palate than I did because you had been listening to rap and hip-hop for much longer than I had at that point. That's nothing to brag about. <laughs> I was I was at home by myself listening to things, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and so there was way, just, then there was a fat beat, dude. The, the way that underground rap fans do. Mm-hmm. That is how underground or, or did I guess <laughs> hunkering down, being backpackers I guess or not backpackers I don't know. Some people didn't have backpacks. Maybe they had uh, messenger bags. Yeah, or... well, it was easy to be a backpacker when you were in school. It's true because you just had one, and then you put a JanSport on your back with a dictionary in it, and you're there. Did you have a backpack full of uh, records when you were in high school? Um, I think I had a record bag. I don't rem- I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Um. But I started DJing and buying records when I was 16. Right. Um, so I, I assume I would have carried them around in something. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> when you got to college, it was important that you had the structure and the space to be able to you know, work on your skills without any disturbance. I guess that was important. One, one of the nice things about the spacious dormitories of Ithaca College where you could take over one of the common areas. This and is just, true. just like take all your stuff there. And set up turntables, what what have you. Did the RAs ever get upset at you? I don't think so. And now firmly positioned. <laughs> no, I don't think my RAs ever got mad at me for that. My freshman RA was at a party that I was DJing, and he offhandedly said to me, man, the quality of DJs has really gone down since I was a freshman. <laughs> And I was like, you're a dickhead, man. Wow. That's like a really pointed insult. Yeah, it was a, know, it was a pretty good burn. And it was a good party, too. Yeah. Like, we, people were having fun. You started DJing parties pretty quickly then when you got to school. Um, I I guess, sure. The first party that you DJed was something of a, not frat party per se, but like just a party in someone's dorm or whatever. Just Yeah, probably, from scratch. probably just playing records for fun. Yeah. Uh, or a house party, various, uh, a home party. Depending on what your home was. Sure. Um, but I did that in, in high school, too, when I was, like, a mobile DJ. Um, so I played, like, junior high school dances and uh, skating rinks and stuff like that before college. Any place with merriment? Yeah, basically. <laughs> did you like making mixes when even before you started becoming more of a record DJ? Like mm-hmm. on tape or CD or whatever? Yeah, definitely tape. Um, we had 
a lot of tapes. Uh, my uncle was in a band, so I had all of his tapes, and I like had tapes of my dad's from the radio in the 70s and stuff. I liked taping stuff off the radio, especially the DJ mixes, before I got into doing it myself. Um, so I would uh, tape those and then like listen to them again in the morning on the way to school because um, it was better than whatever was on the radio in the morning. Uh, like the mix shows were just, I preferred them to uh, morning talk radio, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean... Except for the Wake Up Workout on 92Q, which was a house music mix. Shout out to 92Q. Yeah, it was a Baltimore house, Baltimore club music mix that they did every morning for 15 minutes, and it was a great ride to school. You are probably (laughs) one of the only people I know who, to this day, is still a source of information about the Baltimore house scene. There was recently a, a good Wax Poetics article about the origins of it and some of the more famous songs. And in there, there's a link to a YouTube channel that just had all the songs. So look up the Wax Poetics Baltimore Club Music article. It was great. These were all local music flavors that influenced more or less your way of uh, thinking as a DJ and like how to mix stuff that keeps people on their feet and not necessarily satisfies the music taste that you like, uh, that you have around No, there? I would say I did the complete opposite of that for a long time. The stuff I played was either rap or things I bought intention to sample them into rap songs. Sure. So there wasn't a lot of things that people knew. I played a lot of Obscura and things that I liked, and uh, rarely did that go over well, unless I was playing one of those kind of mobile DJ gigs where I knew it was a dance party at a place where I knew nobody, where mm-hmm. I was like, they're providing a service. People weren't coming because I was doing it. We have just a quick sample of a transition from one of your early mixes that you so kindly gave me back yeah. in the day. Yeah, and should, should we say what, what these are? Like, these are, like, CDs of mixtapes? Yeah, well, I mean... Mix CDs that I gave you, you in college? You've contributed tapes in the past, so you get a pass that it's not a tape. But, you know, we talk about <laughs> old media and specifically focus on tapes, and if it's a CD, I mean, I think we can give you the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't suppose. know. I don't know. <laughs> But I did feel like it was a good idea just to, in so much as uh, listening to the kind of stuff you're mixing now, mm-hmm. hear the kind of stuff you were mixing in college. Sure, sure. So let's take a listen. Devil worshiping horses, sets, human sacrifices, cannibalism, candles and exorcism, animals having sex with them, camels, mammals, and rabbits. But I don't get into that. I kick the habit. I just beat you to death with weapons and eat you to flesh. And I never eat you unless the fuck meat looks fresh. I got a lion in my pocket. I'm lying. I got a nine in my pocket. And baby, I'm just dying to cock him. He's ready for war. I'm ready for war. I got machetes and swords for anything. I said he was raw. My ooze is heavy as yours. Yeah, you met me before. I just didn't have as large an arsenal of weapons before. Marshall step in the door. I lay your head on the floor with your body spread on the bedspread. Red on the wall, red on the ceiling, red on the floor. Get a new whore. Met on the second, red on the third, then she's dead on the fourth. I'm dead wrong.
It's several different levels of picking up shovels and dumping you in ditches on the sea level. Fronting you can witness. Let me refresh you, sick and tell you my position in this beef. Leave you under Venice. Opposition finish. Here it is. We invaded, created a pyramid of a haven of names. So blame Dre and that era is. So breathe. I'd rather reach for your neck and I never heat you for respect unless you greet me with less. I got a skunk in my trunk. I'm lying. I got a pump in my trunk. You dying. How many lumps? Niggas want. Who's ready for y'all? We ready for y'all. We too incredibly raw. For any artist that said he would draw, I stand firm. It's so seamless, man. <laughs> Killing it. Trying. I actually, maybe not that one, but something on this tape or this CD, I definitely recorded onto tape at some point because I wanted to scratch over top of a blend. So right. I, I think I recorded it onto tape and then played the tape out of my boombox or whatever and then back through the mixer and into the computer so that I could scratch over the mix that I'd already done because it was only one channel recording on the computer. As I tend to say with a lot of things on the show, it sounds really industrious because you're utilizing all different mechanisms and just keeping everything all in one to include it all as a way to extend to see just what kind of sounds you can make. Sure, yeah, and I was also like impersonating things that I'd heard before, sound bombing too. The Sway and King Tech radio show, This or That, mm-hmm. mix CD with uh, DJ Revolution. Okay. That was awesome stuff. And one of the things that was interesting about that to me and I didn't understand how to do was there was scratching over top of the blending of two songs. And I was like, how did they do that? And that was before I was in school for recording. Right. And understood that you could record multiple tracks <laughs> of things. So I was like, well, I'll just record this and then I'll play it back and record like layer stuff on top of it. And that was how I'd get that aspect of it done. The the only thing that really stood out to me from the thing you just played, uh, the little the clip, was that I mixed from a Raphael Sadiq and D'Angelo song mm-hmm. into Eminem's verse from Dead Wrong, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's not smooth R&B, but like it's a very uh, romantic song, I guess you would say, <laughs> right? directly into something that's very specifically about murdering people right dead wrong is biggie yes and it was from the born again album i think was the name of it and eminem has a verse on that or is it just a whole remix i think think the whole concept of that album was that it was partial songs of his and so it was like all collabs so yeah eminem had like the feature verse at the end then it, it goes into the original version of uh, Renegades with Eminem and Royce the Five Nine, mm-hmm. where Royce the Five Nine's verse is very similar, and I can't recall which one came first and whether he was referencing the one Eminem did or vice versa. Royce the Five Nine had the great line, I'll turn your chest hair into taco meat. <laughs> I've, I've actually had women say, call my chest hair taco meat before, and I had no idea what it was. What? Yeah, she goes, That's hey, gross. She goes hey, you got that taco meat? I was just like... Yeah, exactly. Thank you for ruining my day. <laughs> you you must have really uh, gotten into the Eminem really early on then. By this point, you were playing all the obscure stuff. Born Again, that was like a hit when I was in high school. Sure. Like, people talked about that. I did hear of him a little bit early, but nothing crazy. He did like a freestyle on the Cali Kings mixtape. Mm-hmm. And I remember that he opens it up by shouting out Thurston Howell III and Wordsworth. And I was like, well, I have to go figure out who these guys are. <laughs> and, like, that was how I found out about Raucous Records and stuff. Right. I was looking up who Thurston Howell III was and not finding Gilligan's Island. Rap music is clearly something that fleshed out your music taste into now. 
How much rap do you listen to now? Uh, I still listen to it a lot, but I feel like I'm too old to be keeping up with the kids in a in a sort of a way with it. I'm an old man in that way at this point, where I just like keeping up with it is fun for me, but it's a personal thing, and I don't care anymore about being an evangelist for the best rap songs you never heard. The effort of keeping up with it was amazing and fun when I had all the free time in the world as a high school and college student with vacations to go on sure. and summer breaks and the like. Um, and uh, I don't have that time anymore. And the time I do have, I'd rather spend doing stuff with my wife or like <laughs> seeing, seeing my friends instead of pouring over the internet reading official hip hop lyrics archive and things like that. <laughs> or I guess suppose now it would be genius rather than I was, right. I was wondering, do you think that rappers hear like their colleagues? And I know that they don't call that like other rappers call their colleagues. They might. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite. It's my best colleagues, man. Do you think that they like will hear their rap and not? understand what they say sometimes and then go look up the lyrics afterwards oh absolutely <laughs> yeah how could you not and be like oh i gotta hit up az lyrics man i gotta make sure <laughs> <laughs> i make sure i got i got what he's saying there yeah they're people just like us okay fair enough i mean i, I do it all the time so i that's one thing i always wondered about ola used to be my jam i loved going on that site but rap genius has kind of taken that share of the market and like they, they give you such scrupulous details. Yeah, the annotation is wild. It's crazy. It's almost unnecessary. Well, a lot of things are like <laughs> going down to the store, pour a forty out. Like that that doesn't need I mean, like a, a forty trans- ounces of malt liquor. Forty <laughs> ounces of malt liquor are usually poured out to uh, represent a loss that occurs when someone it's a, dies. It's a big up to all of his said homies. <laughs> I push my glasses up and say, and there's your answer. The more you know. There's there's stuff like that on there. There's also some interesting commentary on stuff. Definitely. I don't spend that much time on it because I'll, I'll develop my own thoughts about what they said, even if I don't understand it. There was a rap line. I'm trying to remember uh, if it was on a, um, a Pete Rock album. And he said, popped out of the sunroof like a cinnamon bagel. And I always wondered what he was talking about. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I know it's like my favorite line in the song. Was it Pete Rock that said that? Um, no, it was like it was, it was someone was, else. Uh, okay. What yeah. album was it? Do you remember the uh, name? On New York's Finest. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, if anyone out there knows, was New York's <laughs> Finest the same album that had the nine one four track with Styles? Yes. B? Okay. Yes. I'm familiar with the album, it's but great, not it's the song. It's a great album. Yeah, but it's um, funny. <laughs> I just remember hearing that line and thinking to myself, like even every time I hear the song, it always I'm questioning, and I think that's a that's a fun thing about rap. It sometimes it kind of leaves you like, exactly what was he getting at? Because it is the newest and most acceptable form of poetry. Yeah, and you could write something that had some mystery to it on purpose, or you could write something that was very explicit and clear, and both things were possible and intermingled, and I liked going from something that I understood and made a lot of sense into something that was abstract and far away. A metaphor, if you will. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, w- I wonder, like, how did uh, – oh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, buddy. No, no. No cutting. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say – um Paste it. I mean, at one point in long ago in history, rappers evolved from bards. <laughs> right? Like, true. at one point there was a minster, like – And now we got mumble rap. And then at one point he was just like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this guitar. Let me get this, like – got we got all this equipment now. It's just like to me, it's such an interesting thing. Like, and that even at the time, very cool people. Everybody thought they were they were pretty chill. Going to rap shows, you being a DJ, Doug, obviously, mm-hmm. the idea of being in a live setting for understanding what makes the audience tick. Do you still like to go as a spectator? I still like going to shows if I have the opportunity to see someone that I like in a smaller than massive venue. 
Uh, absolutely. I don't I don't follow a lot of people who would be playing in Madison Square Garden. Sure. That, that wouldn't appeal to me, really. Uh, saw Don and Peyton Locke at Baby's All Right. Nice. And that was awesome. I'm glad Don is still around. Still wearing the wig. Oh, still man. cutting up uh, two turntables with one hand, holding the mic with the other. That's Bo- great. That, 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 that Boston stuff, man, right? Uh, yeah, he's actually from Maryland. And oh, then he really? went to art school in Boston. Uh, yeah. Well, Doug, yeah. Doug got me into a Don in freshman year, and ever since then, I've been a lifelong Don fan. Going and seeing Don live was a trip. I think I've only seen him once, and he was with Insight out in San Francisco at the Red Room. Awesome. And then uh, I remember seeing Jay live, too, a number of times, who was very good to watch. Over at the Lion's Den, I think, was the first time. Shout out to uh, Lewis Logic, who I also saw for the first time there. And he was on the show uh, in our former iteration of Lost and Rewound. Yeah, I mean, going to live shows for me now, I don't know about you, Jimmy. For me, it's more just like supporting friends. And if they happen to be rappers, then so be it. I've never seen rap in a live venue ever before. Seriously? Yeah. I've only seen rock music live. What about a rap show does not appeal to What about rap rock? <laughs> <laughs> what about that in Living Color? Oh, my God. Thank goodness I never got to see Linkin Park. And I used to absolutely love them. And that's when you think about the dark years of your childhood. I never really got into Linkin Park, I, I, ever. I was, I don't know what you'd call them. Linkers? LPs? Parkies? I was always confused as to how the whole Jay-Z mashup thing ever came about. That always frustrated me. Oh, my me. God, yeah. I don't know about this. Tell me. You what. really don't? You never heard about that? No. Jay-Z, Limp uh, Or not no, no. Limp Bizkit, I'm sorry. Jay- Lincoln Park, Jay-Z, yeah. Jay-Z, Lincoln Park, yeah. No, I don't know about this. I think I've, I blacked it out, but I definitely remember it. Remember when everybody was remixing the Black Album? Yeah, that, and... was, a, that was a fun week. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had the Gray Album and I think the, the, the Brown Album. Brown uh, album, both, both Kev Brown. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the turquoise album. Nice. Was that turquoise Jeep? Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> turquoise Jeep. That is another great rap group. Wait, what? You don't know turquoise Jeep, dude? Are you serious? I'm not familiar with turquoise oh, Jeep. Oh man, that's gonna that, that's gonna make your evening if you, you got YouTube's. I will have to <laughs> YouTube's it when I get uh, um, home. What's there, what's the uh, what's the one uh, that he's the first one he should watch because you got to like start it off right. Schmang. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, Schmang. Let, let me let me smang it. Lincoln Park had an album where they interpolated their songs with verses. So encore and numb, for example, were their own song, and it was just like a hybrid. Okay. No, I never heard that edition of the black album with lincoln park bringing it full circle to my obsession with karaoke of years past i'm familiar with the fact that they don't have encore by jay-z in the book but they do have encore by jay-z and lincoln park <laughs> in the book oh that's funny you should definitely do that the next time you go nope that'd be a <laughs> no please that'd be a hard song to do yourself like to sing the, it does have the lincoln park yeah parts yeah. in it too yeah, like yeah that'd be does. hard to do both it's um yeah it's i mean that's why there's two guys that's why it's not one guy doing it uh we were talking about the different black album variations before i like the white album uh cunning linguist dj no i believe that that was uh that was dj no who did the white album but yeah every color of the rainbow had a had, had a mix basically you still have an interest in djing and playing gigs now because you have all this new stuff that you're working on sure i mean it's it's mostly about keeping up with buying records it's fun. If you don't have an outlet for it, what's the point if you're just buying records to stick on a shelf? I suppose there are people out there who really enjoy that, but I like playing them for people. Did you stop for a while? Yeah, when I moved here from Chicago, I was playing twice a year, I guess. 
I left a bunch of records in Chicago in order to make the move because they're heavy. And also, while I was in Chicago, I was DJing at the Q, at Q4, mm-hmm. the, the, art, the art gallery. Yep. And uh, my records were in the basement, and the basement flooded. <sighs> so uh, many, many of the sleeves, uh, many of the labels, and a few records were just, like, ruined. So I had to, like, repack them into blank sleeves, and they became, like, a total pain to carry around. And, like, I still have some that aren't in anything. They just have paper towels in between them so they don't scratch on each other. Going through them and, like, getting them together to go play a gig wasn't as fun. It was, like, a mess all the time. I was worried about breaking them and stuff. Collecting records cost money. This is um, true. And, uh, <laughs> Keeping up with American the, pesos. And, and, yeah, and uh, living in New York costs money. So uh, you put you put the two of them together, and I didn't have money for records, or the motivation was not there because every six months I'd go out and play somewhere, and I'd be like, oh, I don't remember why I don't do this more often. It sucks. Mm -hmm. DJing at places is often awful. But then July got his groove back somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was mostly the money and spare time. Mm. Um, I got a job where I got to kind of keep my weekends, so I could spend some of my weekends buying records i don't have extra room still being in new york in a relatively small apartment so it was like well if i'm going to be collecting records again and trying to dj again i need to like keep it to a a small clip so that it's not just like growing out of control and i have to like get a storage space for records or something which i think when i left chicago i had 16 or so crates of records and had to like uh, pare it down to like eight. Yeah, I eventually brought with me, and I gave away that, a lot. And that's crazy, dude. Donated a lot. You can fit uh, what, like fifty records per crate, probably eighty or so. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's tremendous. I, uh, I think it was eighty or so. I could be wrong, um, but it was yeah, it was a lot. I didn't need all that, and it had a lot of stuff in it that I bought, hoping there'd be good things to sample on it, and there wasn't, and I hadn't just gotten rid of them. So cut off a lot of dead weight. To circle back. Continuing to buy records without it growing out of control, I made this rule for myself that I was only allowed to buy one a week. And wherever I was, if I found two that I wanted, I had to pick one. Or if I was just like, I have to get all of these, then I had to stretch. Like, I couldn't buy another one next week because I'd bought two the week before. And uh, and the impetus of that is uh, what we're actually uh, going to be hearing in a little bit. You're going to mix some stuff for us. Sure. Based on what I was saying earlier about my older style of just playing hip-hop records that I liked and not caring so much if what other people liked. Um, I tried to focus a little, little bit more on playing the hits, and that means a lot fewer rap records. So I'm not doing so much blending in new stuff, just playing playing songs in a more radio-like format that you could play at a party or a bar where people aren't there to judge how well you're mixing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not like not like going to see beat junkies or something to that effect. Where sure. Like the mixing is what's on showcase. It's more about the selection. When you began this project, you started doing it as posts on Instagram. Yeah, I also wanted to have like, whenever you go talk to a bar owner or something, the first thing they say is, "Well, send me a mix," and if you don't have one, what do you send? So I was like, "Well, if I just am buying these records." and posting a hot 15 seconds of it on Instagram, and then making, like, a Spotify playlist, I can just send that. That was fun and worked for a while until I had enough where I could actually make a mix of some kind where I didn't only have 15 records to pick from. Right. (laughs) You know? How many records are you going to play for us uh, for this uh, 
go around. Um, well, I thought I'd just play like the first half hour of the first mix if that fits into yeah. the time. I'm, it, I brought I brought the whole thing, and we'll just play as much as we have time for. Great. The whole thing's on Mixcloud. I'm Snaps and Hooks on Mixcloud, and my Instagram is also Snaps and Hooks, uh, which was uh, the DJ night we had back in Chicago. Doug Johnson on Lost and Rewound here. We'll be back in a little bit, and we're definitely excited to hear Doug mixing it up here in the studio for Radio Free Brooklyn. Take a listen. Back in a bit. Time. 
keeping it old school there, clearly. Well, sure. Um, yeah, that's been kind of the, the fun of this is finding the old hits and not concentrating on, oh, I bet no one's ever heard of this. Kind of trying to buy buy songs I like that other people like, too. Yeah. What was the name of that last band? Oh, that, that, that was, was the Beatles. And I think the cause of the uh, English accents at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> In no way. all the way back. Yeah, seriously, there's foreshadowing, I suppose. <laughs> so it's like, was there ever a photograph of them dressed as bugs playing music? Beatles, right? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I it, better, it, it better be, or it's just it's terrible false advertising. That song was off of this, I guess it's like a really early Greatest Hits compilation. like N- Introducing the Beatles. Well, uh, it's actually on this, uh, like, the Beatles, England's number one vocal group. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it seems like it's like their their greatest hits from year one, sort of. Like, how many hits could they have had? Um 35. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I came across it at a housing works, and it was incredibly lucky because I would go I go there pretty much every week. I was going to say, where do you go to grab your finds? I try to go to lots of places. Apparently, all the record stores are in Greenpoint now. So that was – actually, last weekend, I did like a big circle, went to a bunch of them. It was fun. But the two I go to most often are the housing works and the Goodwill in my neighborhood – Cool. Because they're right across the street from the laundromat, so I put my laundry in and then go look at the records and then come back. It's like New Orleans. And, this, and then, yes, yeah. you go and get a po' boy and do some laundry. In this case, <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's a New Orleans themed restaurant right across the street. I could do exactly that if I wanted to. Get a po' boy. Yeah, I usually, I usually it's usually it's usually more of an espresso and like and go get and go look at the records. So I was in the housing works mm-hmm. and it was totally picked through, and I was like, oh well, this is a bummer. And then there was a box, a sealed box of records, and I had to find the manager and ask if I could open the box. And they, like, went and asked somebody else, and they were like, yeah, I guess. And I opened it up, and gold mine. It was crazy. Gold mine, not mm-hmm. mined. Um, <laughs> gold mine. And, and so it was that, that Beatles record and Help and the soundtrack to Hard Day's Night and Johnny Cash Live at Folsom Prison and um, Reefer Songs, which is this awesome Stash Records compilation of songs about marijuana. That's uh, amazing. From, like, the 30s. Like, it's all ragtime wow. and jazz songs. It's awesome. That's, that's, that is amazing, um, yeah. And uh, lots of other good stuff that was in there, but it just blew my mind. And actually, I think the first song I played, too, the Linda Scott, uh, Every Little Star, uh, was on this compilation that was called, like, Leaders of the Pack, and it was all songs like that of, like, early rock and kind of doo-woppy sort of thing yeah that um, I, I i dug that a lot i was gonna ask you oh yeah like when you're getting a record this has always been my issue with going crate digging because i always crate dig a little bit here and there and i always a little bit always a little bit i mean you got a little bit <laughs> for a while i sort of did it with the intention of one day listening to it and then eventually i did because i did get a record player but for a while i didn't so i was just accruing uh, materialistically accruing this stuff without any way of hearing it. I don't know. It was really sad because eventually I would get a chance to hear some of these records after thinking, this is going to be great, and it's all scratched up. And that has always sure. been my weakness, is that I sort of blindly will take this stuff knowing that I, there's so much stuff out there, and you see all this great pics of the litter, and then you're thinking... Well, does it actually work? Can you actually hear mm-hmm. it? Will it blend? Will it blend? Will it actually be skipping, or is am, am I? You know, am well, you you got to be that guy 
and no one looks cool when they're like looking at the record to like see if it's straight and like checking the grooves like you look like i don't know some like dr evil or dr claw kind of like i don't know, just like my precious sort of thing um wasn't dr claw i'll get you gadget yeah but he's always petting he's always he's always exactly. petting the cat which is what i was thinking uh, of like true. my precious pretty or gadget. whatever i'll get you gadget i'll yeah. get you gadget exactly that's the guy Dr. Claw. Um, yeah, he's. We, we, where, we talk, where did he get his doctorate? <sighs> a doctor of uh, of evil sciences, but like the real deal evil sciences. This is what they talk about. World domination. Yeah, this is like Austin Powers. They explain that. Right? Okay, world domination oh, that was Dr. sciences. Evil. Yes. Yeah, but they explain where he gets his doctorate at evil medical school, right? Uh, evil, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember that one. Was that from the third one? No, I think that was the first one. one. Oh, okay, I don't remember. It's all good. That movie's too quotable. I'm, that not, I'm not being purposely aloof. I just don't remember. <laughs> You're being purposely. Uh, no, I said dude, I'm not being. I am aloof 100 percent of the time. <laughs> so you cannot name. be more aloof than me. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. Aloof is my middle name. Aloof, aloof, aloof Exactly. I'm here with aloof Danziger. <laughs> Let's uh, let's take a listen to more of what you got. Damn it! I want okay, to check cool. it out. Whoa, bro! What's the... Did you need to take it there? I needed to. <laughs> I'm 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 dying for some for some records for some wax. I'm dying! I'm dying for it. Um, next one was not a vintage find at all. It was new in the package, but it's uh, from uh, Take It From the Man, the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Lord, you know it ain't right to live my life this way. I gotta stay up every night and feel this feeling till it goes away. You know I had my crime and I paid my due. I seen the best of times, I had the best of friends, I played it all to do. But now I've seen the light I'm gonna show it to you You gotta lay right down You gotta close your eyes And let it go right through you
Lewis and the Playboys? Yes. Gary Lewis and the Playboys. I don't know anything about Gary Lewis and the Playboys. I didn't either. Um, I bought this. I'm, a terrible, I... I'll be a terrible DJ. And that was a group that I don't know anything about. Instead of Jer- Jerry Lewis, it's Gary Lewis. <laughs> that's, that's fine, because I picked it. You don't have to know what it is if it's I true. picked it. That's not your obligation. But you didn't know anything about them before getting that record? No, I didn't. I, I, just, I bought it because I liked the cover. I didn't like most of it. And it's one of those situations where you skip through the whole thing and you're like, oh, this was a, a bummer of a buy, kind of like you were describing of like waiting to listen to something later and then realizing that you don't actually like it or want it. Um, but then that song, Lies, is the very last song on the record, and it's the one that wasn't written by the team that wrote the rest of the record. <laughs> Who so was, was it like, written of by? Of course, I would have to, to look it up. I'm not sure. But uh, that's actually uh, – Buddy Randell. Nice but job, buddy. I read. I read the the label. Nice. Yeah. Man, man, oh man, this guy's got talent. Mm-hmm. Readership, writing creds of Gary Lewis and the Playboys is actually kind of interesting because after I bought this, I saw that documentary, uh, The Wrecking Crew. I think mm-hmm. it's on Netflix about the studio musicians who played on everything, and Gary Lewis and the Playboys were one of the acts for whom Wrecking Crew filled in and like played instruments, and then the the band went on tour and like had to learn how to play the songs the same way the wrecking crew played them. So sure. they, I think that they wrote the songs or knew how to play them beforehand, but couldn't do it as well as the wrecking crew in the studio. And 
studio time costs money, so they would get replaced and then uh, be bummed that they weren't playing their own songs on their own record. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks for them. What are you going to do? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, in the song you you played before was. Um, oh, that was we talked about that. Yeah. That was uh, Brian Jonestown. That was a Brian Jonestown. Which uh, we another think... subject of a documentary, the classic Dig. Yes, and uh, we and we concluded that uh, that I'll... song is definitely about drugs. I mean, it seems like it. They they say "Let me in you" a lot, <laughs> and I'm based on things that are happening in the documentary Dig about them doing heroin and whatnot. I would imagine that that's what it's about, but I can't say I mean, that for sure. They could have been talking about you know an enlightened. No. (laughs) You've already said too much. Enlightenment and drugs are synonymous with each other, right? Let me ask you this. You've you've obviously, in your history of being a DJ, you've had records in the idea of sampling them. With this project, or at least with the records that you get uh, for your recent finds, Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily in the mindset of sampling them like you did in previous years. Uh, no, not really. I haven't been making my own music in a long time, mainly because the equipment, I liked using software and the laptop that I had with all the software on it is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, got some liquid spilled on it. Doesn't really work so good. Um, this, is the, this is the future we live in right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So just been DJing more. And if I find something that like, I'm like, oh, I want to sample that, I'm a, I'll try to power up the old laptop and tilt the screen just right and get it to do what it does. But now it's just more of a uh, more of a hobby, aside whenever I get the time kind of thing. We have time for uh, another set. Do you have uh, anything you want to lead into the first song? Um, this is my wife's favorite song from the mix. Uh, Shout out to Kate. Yeah, love Kate. Uh, naturally, <laughs> I, 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 she's my as, as you would. She's my wife. As you would, um, it's my wife. I, <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> She is a, a huge Beach Boys fan, and I think I played Little Honda from this Beach Boys compilation, and she was like, that's a terrible pick. There's much better songs on here. And I was like, right, you're right. You're smarter than me. You win. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Love you.
but you won't let me love you. Say you want someone to trust in you, baby. Can't you see that's what I'm trying to do? Everybody needs love. Yeah, red beans and rice. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's cooking true. with love, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Everybody needs love. You had a CD a while back. I remember. I loved, loved, loved. Called the uh, Get Right Swing Edition. <laughs> and yeah. I, I was put on to so many good songs because of that album. Songs that, to this day, I'm still like humming to myself. If you want to explain exactly what what it was and how the, you came about doing that mix. Yeah, that was a fun one to make. And I actually did some blending on that. And this, the two most recent that I've put out, I had not doing any blending on it at all. Just making sure the the order's right. Mm -hmm. That came out of buying songs to sample or buying things hoping that there'd be samples on them and buying, like, Tony Bennett and stuff like that and then just being like, oh, these are cool songs, but there's nothing to sample. And then eventually I just had such a huge collection of, like, swing and 60s pop and I referred to it as, I think, like, Tarantino soundtrack fodder. (laughs) 
<laughs> someone, yeah, someone get murdered to this. So they could, yeah. they, could start, they could start up a drug empire to this music. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it was like swingy, but also like kind of edgy. And I was like, "There's a, there's a thing to this," and it wasn't like cherry pop and daddy's oh like god Brian sets are kind no. of swing like no no no, I, no, I mean no like like band leader kind of stuff from from way back when yeah um and there was a little bit of mixing on there mainly i think i believe that guru's jazzmatazz song with that Erica stood Badu. out that stood out and that was easy to mix because it was to a metronome and many of the other things weren't we have to uh, wrap up in a little bit but uh if in case you uh, haven't heard before, this is our 40th episode of Lost and Rewound, and uh, Doug Johnson, our esteemed guest for this go-around in the studio with us, playing records. You can hear the entirety of one record a week from the Mixcloud page. His username is Snaps and Hooks, and also follow him on Instagram, Snaps and Hooks. Doug Johnson is a gentleman and a scholar and one hell of a DJ. And uh, it's good to have him here for this sort of mini reunion. We'll have to have him back again soon. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, sir. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Radio Free Brooklyn. I love it here. I love. I love this stuff. Oh uh, yeah. You oh, the yeah. man. We'll be back in a little bit for some house cleaning. Lost and rewound. Sweep it up. fundraiser it's happening on september 10th this saturday that is saturday the 10th it's a rock concert it's called back to cool you've got all the best bands you've got dead leaf echo you've got the fallen beds you've got drew cutler and the heart and hand band emos rose and not only that you've got a lot of other djs giveaways drinking dancing general merriment no haggis no, no haggis. No, no blood sausage. <laughs> it's ten dollars to get in at the door, but if you buy tickets right now, right now, at Radio Free Brooklyn slash fundraiser, you will be able to get the tickets for eight dollars. I mean, that's 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 almost two dollars in savings. That is almost that is two dollars. Is exactly two dollars in savings. I mean, no, but there's tax. <laughs> that's 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 two dollars that you could contribute. Soul tax. That's two dollars that you could contribute extra to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. That's the pledge page to keep Radio Free Brooklyn running with financial ease. You could also send us Bazooka Joe in the mail. We accept gum. And also, as you know, Radio Free Brooklyn slash LAR to sponsor our show specifically. $1, $2, $5, $10, any dollar dollar that you want. Go, go. (laughs) Yes, that was like uh, an 80s theme song for giving us money. Here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be back again next week, 3 p.m. Coming through 
with the radio on my stereo, and we're giving it to you what? in the butt. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. We got the rhyme scheme, and we on the team. Uh. 